Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. All right, quick question. How many of you have accepted Jesus Christ, let me finish this, as your Lord and Savior? You prayed, you asked the Lord to come into your heart and save you, you told, asked him to forgive you of your sins, give you a home forever in heaven. He is your only way to get into heaven. He is not one of many ways. He is the only way. By the name of Jesus, the only name that has been given unto man, you and I can be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have done that and you have a secured home in heaven, put your hands together, celebrate it for a minute. That is going to be awesome. And as the world gets worse and worse, heaven is looking better and better, isn't it? But you have a whole lot of living left to do before you get there. And the question that I have for you, is your life going to be about survival? Or is it going to be about thriving? Or maybe it's going to be a little bit of both. It's interesting when Jesus said the reason why he came, he'd give us life, of course, But in John chapter 10, verse 10, talking about this life for his children, he said that we might have this life more abundantly, live it to the full. Then God tells us in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the Bible says that God's plans for us are to prosper us and to give us hope in the future. Then Jesus tells us in the book of John that in this life, you will have trouble. Trouble in your marriage. Trouble in your money, trouble in your health, trouble in your relationships, trouble on the job. Even for a child of God that tucks closely into the Lord Jesus Christ, comes out to church on Sunday morning and worships him, your life is still going to have pockets of trouble. This is a true statement. Trouble's coming. Trouble is coming. At every stage and every age of life, trouble is coming in some area of your life. So, if you and I are going to carve out the blessed life that God intends for us to live, we're going to have to do so in the middle of difficult circumstances. You cannot wait for the circumstance to get better in order for your happiness to get better, in order for your life to get better in order for your marriage to get better. You have got to carve out a blessed life regardless of the trouble that is coming against your life. Psalms even says this in Psalms 23, that God has prepared for me a table in the middle of my enemies. In other words, there's a prepared blessing that you are to enjoy while people surround you that hate you. Go ahead and eat, baby. Go ahead and enjoy. Well, a couple of weeks ago, as JL just told you, I started, we were in a series, summer series, summer change. It was called the power change. And um, I was told to talk about uh, heaven and, and doing life here on earth from, a, from an eternal perspective. And we hit that. And then the next week I hit a little bit more of that. But at the end of it, I threw in three important points from God's word that we have to get in our DNA if we're going to live a blessed life here on earth till we get there. And I'm going to hit those three points very quickly. 
Now, I'm going to throw these all up on the side screen. And uh, as I do, you don't have to write notes. You don't have to take one at a time. At the very end of the message, I'm going to throw all six points from God's Word up on the side screen. These are things you've got to get down into your DNA and allow to change you in order for you to have a blessed life. So at the end of the message, I'll throw all of them up on one screen. You can take out your phone for a photo opportunity. Zoom in on it, click on it, and you will have a photo of a graphic of these six points, okay? And they'll be at the end, so just enjoy the message, and I'll tell you when, that, when that, time is, that time is ready for you. All right, so here's the first thing that you've got to understand in order to have a blessed life. I already covered this one, so I'm going to hit it kind of rapidly, but you have to stop complaining. You will never have a blessed life with a complaining mouth. If you complain about her, she's just going to get worse. If you complain about him, he's just going to get worse. Why is that? Because the Bible says that our Heavenly Father created with the spoken word. He spoke things into existence. That's how he created everything which is created. And then God created you and I after whose own image? His. So he has also given us the power to create with our words. Now think about that for a moment. A man can completely destroy a woman with nothing more than the words that are coming out of his mouth. A woman can completely demotivate and destroy a man with nothing more than the simple words that come out of her mouth. Or a man can build her up, make her feel beautiful, make her feel confident, make her feel like she can walk into any room and own it by the words that are coming out of his mouth. And you as women can turn your man into Superman just by bragging on him just a little bit. Oh, baby, you're so good at that. Oh, I love how you do that. Woo! Baby, listen, when you make French fries at home, those are the best French fries I've ever had. He'll make French fries till Jesus comes if you'll just brag on him. Just a little bit. Because God puts the power of creativity in the words that come out of our mouth. Now, I know we live in a culture where you and I are inundated with that of complaining. People have a problem, they go to a website, they get log into the review area, and they just rant and rave on whatever it is they want to say on that website. People have an opinion. Well, that's my opinion. I'm just going to say it. Well, I think it, and if I think it, I'm going to keep it real, and I'm going to say it. That has never worked out good for you to say everything that you think. And as God's children, you and I cannot live and will not get by with living and doing as the rest of the world does. God, our heavenly father, is our father. And our heavenly father does not like it when his kids complain and whine. Two things happen when God's kids complain and whine. Are you ready? Number one, he will stop your progress right where you're at and send you going in circles. Or number two, he will finally give you that which you've been whining about and that which he gives you will make you sick and you wish you hadn't had it. Proof of that, Numbers chapter 11, the Bible says that God's kids were complaining uh, to Moses and Moses finally got fed up with it and said, I'm tired of their griping, their whining and their complaining. Matter of fact, the words in the Bible in Numbers chapter 11 is God's children were whining and complaining. Now there's a difference between asking and whining, right? Every parent in here knows what I'm talking about. If your kids are whining and complaining, that sounds in your ears a whole lot different than mom, dad, could I have, right? 
So the Bible says that they were whining and complaining. They even said, we'd be better if we'd have stayed back in Egypt. We're sick of this manna. God gave them manna. It fell from heaven. It was there like dew on the grass. All they had to do was take it. All they had to do was uh, cook it and then eat it. And finally they said, we're sick of it. We want meat. We want to be able to eat fish, things like, and, and finally Moses said, God, I've had it. I can't take these people anymore. They're not my people. They're your people that have been better if you just killed me than to put me over a bunch of whining crybabies. I don't want it anymore. And God said, I'm sick of it too. And then God said, I'm going to give them what they're asking for. So he gave them quail. They could just knock them out of the air, just fly and just knock them down. And he gave them quail, not for 10 days, not for 20, but for an entire month until it made them so sick, quail ran out their nose. The Bible said they gagged on it. So here's what I'm trying to tell you when it comes to God. You will never have a blessed life until we can shut up the complaining. Now, all of us do it. We all can, can go to those kind of places, but we've got to catch ourselves and quickly say, like David did, renewing me a loyal heart, God, a loyal heart. So you will never have a blessed life if you are complaining. Listen to me, sweet person of God, shut it up when it comes to complaining. Number two, if you are going to have a blessed life, you got to start believing what God says. Just believe what he says. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God continually. We thank him continually. That stops you from complaining because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which indeed is, which is indeed at work in you. It's, it's God's work at work in us. Here's the key to a working word, of God, working word of God, believing and acting on that word. It will work if you work it. When I was 12 years of age, I heard that you could be saved by asking Jesus Christ to come to your heart and save you. I didn't argue that. I believed it and asked Jesus Christ to come to my heart and be my savior. When I was 16 years of age, I heard that if I will give 10%, the first 10% of everything that God gives me to him, that he would bless me. And that I, with finances, would either be blessed or under a curse, depending on whether or not I believe that word. So from the age of 16, and then Anna at the same time, we met in high school, we began to be tithers. And from 16 to this day and age, if I am in town, if I'm out of town, if I am in church or I am not here, we tithe on every dime God has ever given us. And back when I was 16 to 25 years of age, I had people come, hey, you don't need to tithe, that's Old Testament, it's that, you know, the Bible really didn't mean you do this, you didn't mean to do that. And it's really interesting to me that early on, everyone that I ever heard that wanted to argue about tithing were broke. And do you know what I wasn't? I was not broke and I never have been. But there are people that are under generational curses believing what their parents or what their grandparents did or said and they live broke. And I just believe what God said. If you bring the first tenth to him, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out more on you than you'll have room enough to. I just believe it. Don't care if you're cynical about it. Don't care if you get it. I'm gonna believe it. I have to put God's stuff first. Number three, number three, just look at verse 33 in this passage, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things. Listen, you can go after all the other things this life. God knows that you need them. Or you can go after God and God takes care of you. Look at this on the side screen. When you take care of God's business, God takes care of yours. Now listen, you can work hard all your life taking care of your own business on your own and good luck with that. 
Or you can say, God, you're first. Everything you give me, 10%, going right back to you and an offer no one above that. God, I'm gonna, you're going to my workplace. Oh, you're going to be my first, my first thought in the morning. I'm going to have coffee with you, do a little worship walk with you. I'm going to talk with you throughout the day, whatever that might be. Where God is involved, he's the first place in your life. He's the first priority. God, what do you want me to do? What do you need me to do? What do you need, Lord? I'll do it. Well, what do you need? I'll do that. Well, no, God, I want to I wanna talk to you a minute. I love you so much. I just, uh, what, can, what can I do for you? And God's like, well, then, okay, then uh, what can I do for you? You see how this works? It doesn't work that way for the world, but it works that way for those who believe, those who put him first. Now I'm going to slow down now. Here we go. Number four, if I am going to live a blessed life, I have to regularly adjust my attitude. Your attitude is everything. It's that little tiny thing that makes a huge difference. And Ephesians chapter four, verse 23 says, and be constantly renewed, constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. I don't know how many of you grew up, but I'm sure it wasn't, for some of you, I, I do know. It wasn't in a very positive environment. I know that for some of you, your parents yelled at you, you didn't have a great relationship with your dad, your mom. The environment was negative. The family feeling was, was, uh, was cynical. And maybe you weren't in a home environment where there was positivity and, 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 and belief. Maybe you were called names. Maybe you were said you would be stupid or you couldn't do this or you never amount to that. Maybe an ex or somebody else in your life has spoken to you that way. And maybe you have never worked in a place where it was super positive and super aggressive and super progressive. But I grew up in a home where my mom and dad were absolutely positive. My dad was one of the most positive men that I know, even sick and feeling bad. He always believed that no matter where things were now, they were great, but they were gonna get better. And my mom was the same way, pitching in and doing whatever she could until the end of her life when, when, things, when things in her world kind of got negative. But, but, but all along the way, you, my parents created an atmosphere in our home where they believed in us and they spoke good to us and they talked to us. We could do anything we wanted to do. We could, we could do this. We, we do, they just had that kind of feeling. But, but many of you have not had that. And because of that, it's real easy to sink our attitude into the same attitude of the environment in which you and I live. But with the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, you're going to have to do this a lot because you still live in the flesh. You can make attitude adjustments all along the way. You can say something stupid and then correct it with a word of faith. You can all of a sudden, you know, realize that you've said something or you got this. Listen, listen, a great attitude opens great doors for you. When nothing else will. And a bad attitude will keep doors closed for you. It doesn't matter how good you are at work. Nobody wants a bad attitude to poison a good environment. That could be why the environment that you're in stays the same. Your attitude has got to constantly be adjusted. Listen, my sisters. You can be absolutely beautiful. Spend all the time you want on your hair. Go, go to the mirror and, and do a professional makeup job. Wear clothes that fit you just perfect. Walk in the room and own it. And everyone on the planet marks, oh, she's a 10. But if you open your mouth with a bad attitude, you immediately go to a two. Nobody cares what you look like after that. Your attitude will sabotage your future. That's why, listen, I'm not saying you're always going to have a great one. That's why I'm saying you got to adjust it on a regular basis if you're going to have a blessed life. 
I uh, ran into a woman uh, ah, last week or two, I don't know. But I was picking up something at a store at a company and um, she checked me out. She's, she had a cash register. She's checking, checking the stuff. And I said to her, uh, you know, hey, well, you don't need this and that. She, she went and got it for me. And, and um, I noticed her demeanor was, was kind of different. She's, I don't think she was 30 years old. I don't think she was. But uh, her demeanor was, was depressed. And, and she had some tattoos on her shoulders and stuff and down her arms. And, and she had two wrist tattoos. They were kind of like tattoo bracelets. And on this one over here, she had the word SAD, S-A-D. Wasn't an abbreviation or anything. It was just the word SAD. And it broke my heart for her for a moment because I thought there was something really terrible that's happened in her past. And instead of moving on from it with a better attitude, she decided to brand herself today with that which she went through yesterday. And you know what that'll do for any person like that? It'll keep you exactly where you were yesterday. But if her attitude could have just been, man, God's got me. This is going to be okay. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to have a better life. I'm going to be, listen, anytime you start speaking words over yourself, like, man, I'm never going to get married. Well, you, you just empowered yourself to never get married. I'm never going to be happy. Well, you're just empowered yourself not to be happy. All men are jerks. Well, every man that you run into from that point forward, is going to be a big jerk. But that little adjustment, that attitude. Ann and I decided a long time ago, we were going to have an attitude of celebration. That, that was going to be our attitude. I mean, if we're going to have to have an attitude about anything, why not celebration? We got heaven to look forward to. That's awesome. But I've been married to the same woman for 41 years. 41. And we are partying. We're party hardy. And here's, the, here's the, the big news to that is not that I've just been stayed married to her for 41 years. I still am crazy in love with that girl. I love her. Oh my gosh, yeah, we don't avoid each other at the house. We, we bump into each other. We bump into each other in the hallway and it might turn into something. You know what I'm saying? I said it might. I didn't say it did always, you know. Man. We just decided that we're going to be blessed and we're going to be grateful for our blessings. And that's the attitude that we choose to live out every day. Miserable is a choice. If you're miserable, it's because you chose miserable. But if you have a great attitude, it's because you chose it and you decided it. Nobody can do that for you. That is all on you. I love this on the side screen. Joy is the serious business of heaven. There's power in celebration. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why you can't let the devil have it. The Bible says, listen to this, in John 6, in this life you're going to have trouble. And then Jesus said, but be of good cheer. Well, wait a minute, God, you said I got trouble. That's right, cheer up, cheer, be, cheer, be of good cheer. I've overcome it. But God, you don't know what I've been through, be of good cheer. But it was really bad cheer. Well, Lord, I'm trying to tell you cheer, right? And then he says in John 14, 27, I'm about to leave and I'm gonna leave with you my peace. Peace that the world doesn't have and cannot give you and they won't understand. So he's talking about cheer and he's talking about peace. So really what God is doing, basically from these two verses, God is saying in every situation that you are facing in this life, calm down and cheer up. <laughs> calm down 
and cheer up. Here's number five. If you are gonna have a blessed life, I have got to protect my marriage. I've got to protect my marriage. Look at this on the side screen. When you protect your marriage, your marriage will protect you. You've got to protect it. Listen, fellas, I love you, and you know I admire you. You know I respect the heck out of you. You know that, guys. You know that. But I do not believe that being married to any one of you men in this room would be like a 24-7 picnic of fun. I do not believe it. I got your number. And before you women get too cocky, my sisters, I do not, and you know I love you. You know I respect you. You know I'm going to aggravate you and fuss at you from time to time like a brother would. But I do not believe that being married to any one of you women would be like living at Disney World. I think you can be high maintenance. I think you can be challenging. I think you can be very confusing. I didn't say all that bad stuff about the men, but just, it goes for them too. And I'm just saying that if you're gonna have a great marriage, you are gonna to have to work at it and give it great attention. But when you protect your marriage, your marriage protects you. I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard from a pastor about once a month, a pastor, friend of mine, or somebody I heard in the country, they were going along good, their wife and the kids doing good, church doing good, everything's doing good. And then all of a sudden after 30, 40 years of being married to somebody they partnered with, through all of it, throw it away for somebody they had known two or three months because they did not protect their marriage. The only way you can protect a marriage throughout the seasons and stages of life is to communicate. Anna's, Anna's turning 59 years old. I don't know what it's like to be married to a 59-year-old woman. I've never been married to a 59-year-old woman. None of you women older than me have ever told me what it would be like to be married to a 59-year-old woman. This is all new territory for me. I had the 20s down. I had the 30s down. I figured all that stuff. I hadn't been to this. So I'm not going to know if she doesn't tell me, honey, what do you need today? What do you, what do you need? Is, you still enjoy the house that you're living in? Or would you like a lock and leave type home that's a little easier to take care of at 59? Uh, Are there things at 29 with me you thought were cute, but now at 59, they bug you? Well, what are, don't shake your head yes out there. What are those things? Let me just write them down for a minute. I might need more paper, but let me get a second. What am I saying? I'm saying that things change in our life. Now, the only way we're going to protect our marriages is to give great attention to those marriages and to communicate concerning those. What do you need? Honey, I'm, I'm, you know, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s. Things are difficult at work and there's stresses and pressure on you. And you go home, you say something to your wife like, like baby, you know, I, I, I need to de-stress with you a little bit more than what we have been lately. Could we do that? Or maybe she says something like, I need a little more non-sexual attention from you where we look each other in the eyes, we make something to eat, play a little board game or a game of cards or something and we communicate about what's going on in our life. Communicate it. That's the only way you're gonna protect against outside forces coming against something that they do not believe God ordained. But when you protect your marriage, 
your marriage will protect you. Some of, I know guys that, you know, they think they're so studly and boy, I just want to know, you know, what it will be like to be married to a whole bunch of different women. Can I tell you how you can get that feeling of being married to a whole bunch of different women? You find one woman that you fall madly in love with and you stay with that woman for the rest of her life and you will experience being married to a whole bunch of different women. Now you laughing at me, you, some of you women are looking at me going, what are you trying to say? You know exactly what I'm trying to say. I've been married 41 years to at least 28 different women. I, I, I married newlywed Anna, newlywed wife. That's a good wife right there, newlywed wife. And then I, married, then I was married to pregnant Anna, pregnant wife. That's a whole nother different kind of wife. And then I was married to baby mama wife, baby mama wife right there, I three all together. Then baby mama wife, that's a different, that's a different wife. And then I, then I was married to preschool mama wife. And then I was married to elementary age kids, mama, wife. That's a taxi cab, mama, wife. And career building wife, that's different. Then I was married to pre-teenager mama, wife. That's drama, that's drama mama right there. And then teenage mama, wife. Teenage mama, wife, that, 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 that's crazy mama, wife right there. And then I was married to empty nester mama, wife. Empty nester wife is awesome. <laughs> They're rediscovering themselves. There's no inhibitions in them at all. It's awesome, I'm telling you. And then, 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 then there's premenopausal wife. And then, <laughs> I'm being careful and I have security. And then there's menopausal wife. And then there is, there, there is, there's post-menopausal wife. That's like, that's like, that's like, that's like nine different women. <laughs> and then there's 59-year-old wife, and I don't even know what that's like yet. And then there's 60 and 65, then there's a girl and older. Man, I don't want to miss out on any of that. Ann and I have had a rule our entire marriage, and here it is. We hold tightly onto each other, and we hold loosely onto everything else. We have lived in 24 different places. We've had lots of square footage and little square footage. We had walk-in closets and closets you couldn't hardly even open the door. We had big kitchens, little kitchens. We had kitchens with Formica, and we had kitchens with granite. We had hardwood. We had carpet. We had lawn, we had no scape. We've had acreage, we've had, you know, lock and leave. We've had, we've had all those 24 houses. They have come and they have went. We've had all kinds of automobiles. We have trucks, we've had cars. She had a little sports car one time. I had a little sports car one time. We had a minivan at one time. A minivan. We've had clothes, we've had toys, we've had campers, we've had motorcycles, we've had boats. They came and they went. And we have held tightly to each other and loosely to everything else because this is my belief. 
I believe that Anna and me and God can have and do and get and get rid of and sell and get new anything we want to. But if we got a big old house and I don't have her to live in that house with me, you tell me how much I would love that big old house. We hold tightly to each other and we hold loosely to everything else because our marriage, when you protect it, will protect you from losing it all one day, being stupid. Somebody gives you a temptation. Oh, baby, you look good. Oh, it work. Oh, you smell good. You look good. Woo. Man, I wish my husband looked like you. A protected marriage says, no, thank you, ma'am. I'm all full up at home. I don't need anything out here. Here's the last one, great decisions. Great decisions. You are never going to have a blessed life if you don't make great decisions. How many of you, every family has one of these. How many of you have a family member? There's a member in your family that they make terrible decisions. They are good at making bad decisions. Would you raise your hand if you have a family member like that? Okay, that tells me if you did not raise your hand, you are probably that person. Because every family has one of them. Come on. You right now in your life where you're at, where your marriage is at, there's a subtotal of every decision that you've made up to this point. And if you want better results, you have to make better decisions. Now, there are only about two or three really pivotal points in a person's life. You make this decision, it sets you down this trajectory, who you marry, of course, accepting Christ as your personal savior, whether or not you stay at this dead-end job or take a risk and go for something different, bet on yourself with a, a business, something on the side, whatever. There's only two or three real pivotal points that are gonna be super, super, super life-changing in your life. And sometimes you can gather all the information you wanna gather concerning that, concerning that decision, but instead of more information, the only way you're going to make a great decision in that case as a child of God is not through more information, but through revelation. Can you tell the difference in what you're thinking in your head and the very voice of your heavenly father? Let me ask you another question. Does God ever talk to you? What did he say? Huh, let me ask you, when did he talk to you? When does he talk to you? You know, there are people sitting in this room, they're, very, they're born again children of the almighty God and you have never heard his voice speak to you. How in the world are you gonna make a right decision when you're not hearing from the God of this universe who has set you on the right path that he wants you to go? If you don't hear him say, turn, stop, Keep going. And you can't tell the difference between the voice in your head and that of the voice of God. Every time God speaks to you, it's exercise. Because it may not make sense from what anybody else thinks, says, or does. When Ann and I heard we were supposed to go to Grand Junction, lots of our friends thought we were crazy. 
it did not matter what anybody else thought. I heard from my heavenly father, start the truck. Have you? Do you know how? See, God will do you this way. I need you to go call that person, give, stop, go talk to that individual. A still small voice. And if you listen and go, I, I don't know what that's all about, but you do it, God rewards you, and then he makes you better at it. And then he'll tell you to do something else. And if you do it, he rewards you by making you better at it. It's exercise. The word for exercise in the Greek is gymnasia, which is the word you and I get, gymnasium. So every time you face a problem, the problem is not the problem. The problem is a gym. For you to be exercised in being able to hear God's voice more clearly in a difficult situation. Great decisions. You're not happy where you are in life? <laughs> Make a better decision. And God will bless you. But you can't just do life on information. You have got to do life on revelation. Throw them up on the side screen. Here they are. Get out your phone. Let me cover them for you one more time. I've got to stop complaining. Listen to me. Listen to me, dear wife. Shut up on the complaining. Husband, shut up. You're making things worse. Stop complaining. It doesn't matter what it is or what it ain't. You got to stop complaining. You are a child of God. Number two, I have got to start believing what God says. If God said, be a tither, for goodness sake, stop arguing that stuff. Just start tithing to see what it is in life to be a tither. I have to put God's stuff first. Yep, yep, yep. Got to do that. I have to regularly adjust my attitude. Oh man, we got to do that, guys. We got to do it. I have to protect my marriage. Protect my marriage. And number six, I have to make great decisions. Father, we love you with all our heart. You are an awesome and a mighty God. Thank you for loving us. We are your children and we need you so badly. Bless every person in this room with the greatest, most incredible, blessed life we could possibly live. We're going to get all these things from your word right deep down into our DNA. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Bye-bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.